Hey, hello, everybody. Everybody there? Yes, sir. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Hey, it's 4 o'clock on my time in California. It is 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and this is the Gold Club call that we're getting started. My name is Alton Jones, and I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof, and I'm calling from Los Angeles, California, and Ron's asked me to step in and uh, handle the monthly call that we have here with the Gold Club. And um, the good thing is um, I got some great news. We got some great students out there. We got people still chiming in. And um, um, we're going to hopefully go over some information. But let me get some housekeeping things out of the way. Number one, um, again, I'm Alton Jones. I'm one of Ron LeGrand's mentors here with uh, Global Publishing. And uh, uh, what the first thing we do to explain this call is that every second Monday of every month, we have the Gold Club members can submit deals prior to the call, and we will review, we will review those, call, uh, those deals over the phone right here. And if you're not a Gold Club member, and uh, you can listen in, but you cannot participate, unfortunately. But the good news is if you want to get more information and want to sign up for the Gold Club, as I have many years ago and still have the, the, the membership, uh, you can go to www.rons.com. That's R-O-N-S, Ron's Gold Club. Dot com. Hold on, let me do this real quick. All right, so we can mute out that background noise. Uh, so you can go to www.ronsgoldclub.com. That's Ron's, R-O-N-S, goldclub.com, and uh, you can get the sign-up there for the uh, Gold Club, and you can get uh, deals. If you if you are a, a Gold Club member and you logged in under the wrong access ID number, I suggest you hang up, go to the Gold Club website, log in, and there's a special access phone number and access password to get you in uh, to the participating uh, side of the call. And all you have to do is star six to be entered in the queue. So if you have a question and you have deals you want to go over. Uh, on this call today, press star six, and you will be entered into the queue, uh, the queue, and we'll be able to uh, review those uh, deals with you. So, but again, um, that's only if you're a Gold Club member, um, and you can, so that's that's the number one thing that we want to make sure you clean up uh, on there. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to attempt to make this call work without having a whole bunch of background noise. And we'll start working with the uh, first caller. All right. All right. Let's see here. Um, I think I go from here. Who's the first person? Let me see how I do this. James, are you there? How about that? James, you there? James, you there? Hey, James? Yeah? James? 
Is that you? Is it James on the, on the call? Well, this is James, but I know if I'm the one you want. Yeah, that's you. You're in the queue. It's just me and you right now. Everyone's listening to you. So you have a you have a deal? Did you want to go over? You got a question? Well, I think that must be a, a different James. Is it Cole? Yeah. Oh, that's it. You're in the queue. You star six, right? <laughs> no, we <it> didn't. <laughs> but yeah, well, if you're, if you're an active person in the queue, you can ask a question. So go ahead on. Ask your question. Well, I have a house that was for sale by owner. And anyway, it's the MLS. But apparently they didn't sell it. And it was listed on the MLS? Yeah. But you said it was a for sale by owner, though, right? It's prior to that, yes. Okay. And have you made contact with the seller? Well, I was wondering if uh, you thought that was worth it. Well, I mean, a lot, a lot of houses that go on the MLS that don't sell, and they become a for sale by owner. Um, there's kind of different, different scenarios come about where you may have a seller who wants to sell their houses through an agent, but at the same time, uh, for some reason, they enter their, their house on uh, a system where they can do it for sale by owner. So they're kind of hedging their bet, trying to do two things at the same time. And oh. one thing is also you'll find that there are a lot of real estate agents who may not list their house on the MLS, but they'll put on as a for sale by owner. And, and that's because they don't want to pay a commission. So they'll try to avoid paying a commission and list their house as a for sale by owner when, in fact, if they're an agent, and they can very easily put it on the MLS because it doesn't cost them any money to put it on the MLS. So they try to grab buyers from both, both areas. There's nothing wrong with actually making a phone call to find out, is the seller motivated? You're probably going to know in two minutes on a phone call with that seller if they're motivated or not. Okay. We'll give it a try okay. then. Yeah, I say give it all. The worst thing can happen is they may say no, and guess what? Nobody dies. <laughs> all right? That, that help you out? Good. So, folks, if you, if, uh, if you are a Gold Club member out there and you have a question that you want to ask and you logged into the proper access code, which is this, the access code came from the Gold Club's website, all you have to do is hit star six, and you will be put into the queue, and we will add you in there to make sure you're on. Uh, Cole, do you have any more questions on that? Do uh, you have any questions other than that one deal? All right, at the moment, that one only. I'm pursuing another one, but i, I got to get a little more information on it. Okay. Okay. What, what state are you calling from? Illinois. Okay. All right. Well, good. Well, it's going to be some great things happening in Illinois. All you got to do is look at the tea leaves on the, on the, on the, in the air, and you can see there's some, there's some shift in movements in the market. You know, some good, some bad. I think in the, any market where we're at right now, um, you should be able to make money. There's so many different ways to make money out here. I'm in California where people say, oh, it never works in California. Oh, my God, the price is so high in California. I had a student today, they were looking at a $1.2 million deal out here in Beverly Hills. 
And I said $1.2 million in Beverly Hills. That's a discount in Beverly Hills for any kind of deal. As a matter of fact, you can't even get dirt for $1.2 million in Beverly Hills. But yet there are people who are willing to sell their property on terms in Beverly Hills by sending them out a yellow letter, and that's how that deal came about. So we're working on to see if we can make that thing happen. We don't know if the seller's going to be motivated or not. But the worst thing can happen is they may say no, but guess what? Nobody died. But if they said yes, you know, we'll make big money and big chunks, and that's okay. So what, what's your next question, uh, Cole? Well, um, I would like to find empty houses whose owners are out of state. How do I go about doing that? Okay, so the question is, how do you find vacant properties out of state and, um, and to try to make deals work with that way? Where the owner is. Well, the owners are out of state. Yeah. So say you got a vacant house in your local area and you have a house that you have identified and you want to target, but the owner is out of state. And so you want uh -huh. to figure out how to make that work, right? And how to find those houses. How to do what? How to find the houses. Oh, how to find them. Well, here's the deal. Um, sometimes you can go to your local city and find out where there are a lot of vacant houses. Uh, you know, some of them have them on a list, you know, at the city hall or the community uh, fire departments may have them. Sometimes some communities are, are troubled by a lot of vacant properties. So they make a list of them. And um, there's different ways you can do it. Other than that, the easy way is just driving by, going to a particular certain area and just seeing that the houses are either boarded up or the overgrown grass or there's blue tarps on the roof, and that's a sign and signal that that house is probably abandoned. And all you have to do is have access to get information on the address of who the real owners are. And when you find out those owners are out of state, then you can either send them a yellow letter, like we always do, or you can do a, uh, a, a, reverse, a reverse address search and do what they call a skip trace. And you can find out a phone number uh, or an address or email doing a skip trace. Now, that costs you a little bit more money, but you can do a skip trace to try to locate the phone number or, or, or current address of that owner of that property. In some cases, you may find that there are more than one person that owns that property. So guess what? You may have to send out multiple letters, multiple emails, and make multiple phone calls, but guess what? If the deal makes sense and there's a lot of money to be made on that deal, it might be worth doing a skip trace to locate that seller. Because if it's been ab abandoned for several months, if not several years, somebody's sitting on it, and at the end of the day, somebody has to pay property taxes, and somebody has to maintain insurance. So there's a, there's a liability sense with that property being vacant that it can attract vagrants, it can attract you know, uh, uh, you know, homeless, it can attract um, you know, gangs and all kind of uh, broken you know, window concept type of uh, situations that can go on. And it just basically distresses the community. So if you go in and identify a property that, that needs your attention, uh, I, you do whatever you can to try to locate that seller and see if they're willing to sell the property to you. Rather, they can sell it to you on terms, right, or sell it to you to give you a nice low-ball cash price. Uh, it's, 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 it's a matter of finding them and finding out how motivated they are. They may not even know that the property is in a bad, distra despair condition. 
And so it is your job to go out there and find these people, to find out they're motivated. Now, at the end of the day, they understand the property is the way it is, and they don't care. There's not much you can do about it. They're going to they're sit on that house until either, you know, the, the city code enforcement, pays, you know, sites them enough. And that's another thing, too. You might consider saying, hey, this house is an eyesore. Contact the local code enforcement people and find out, hey, what's going on with this house? You guys know about it. it it's got overgrown grass. It's got people, you know, in there all day and night of the, uh, of the week, and it's causing a, uh, a disturbance. And they'll look into it, investigate it, and they'll have their resources. They can find these sellers and make contact with them. And guess what? If the city contacts you, you've got to pay attention to that. A typical buyer like us out there looking for sellers because we want to buy the house, they may not pay attention to us, but if the city comes in there saying, we're going to um, do an abatement on your house and take your house from you by force, you know, force to sell on your house, and you're going to lose your house because you're not doing what we're telling you to do to get it fixed and make it safe, then people will pay attention to that. So that's another resource you can do. All right? Does that help you guys out? Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, thanks for being on the call. Who's next? All right. I got, uh, is it Karen Humphrey? Uh, yeah, that's my wife. This is Phil. How are you? Oh, hi. How you doing, Bill? Where are you calling from? Uh, Tampa, Florida. Awesome. How's the weather out there? Uh, very good. Muggy. But, but good, good. And, of course, you're a Gold Club member, right? Yes, sir, yes. So what's your question you have today? Uh, I had a couple questions. Uh, number one, uh, is there a particular website that I've been looking around uh, for listing your, um, you know, at least with option to buy? You know, there's a bunch of uh, for sale by owner and for rent by owner websites out there um, besides Zillow um, that you guys have had any good luck with, or do you just use yeah. Like, yeah, you know, there, there's, you mean, for, for looking out, looking for houses that are for sale by owner, right? Uh, yeah. When we're going to put the uh, property up for uh, um, lease with option. Well, you can use the same house, same sites that we use for locating these properties. You can use forsalebyowner.com. You can use owners.com. You can use Craigslist. You can use... Um, um, Backpage, uh, you can use um, Kijiji. There's all kinds of sites out there. As a matter of fact, you can even use Facebook and, and LinkedIn because if you have a Facebook presence and LinkedIn presence, you can actually shoot your properties out on those sites. And there's other different sites that syndicate to a bunch of different websites. Believe me, if you got a deal out there that looks good, the moment you put it out there on social media, you're going to get people calling you about your properties. And it's important to have a system like uh, Pat Live to be able to take those calls in uh, for properties that you're trying to get rid of. Um, so you have to be able to use that. Then, then there's also a service that's out there, too, that's called Call Fire. Call Fire is another source of being able to have people automatic, go through an automated system to ask about your property, and that way you can pre-qualify these buyers. You should ask uh, the Gold Club folks about that too, um, about call fire. I know Ron has that under the, uh, the mastery program. I think they use a service there where you can develop your own uh, buyer's list because you should be developing a buyer's list using call fire and those systems like that to keep your web presence. See, once you set up something one time, it's on autopilot. It makes it much easier that you don't have to keep reinventing yourself. 
You know, you can have a VA in charge of that, and you can go through Go uh, Club and, and Ron's company to get a VA to help you get all that stuff established. So those are some great benefits right. to having the Go Club uh, on your in your corner. Okay, um, that answers that. And then I have uh, one other question, uh, which is, you know, with the uh, lease with option to buy uh, when we're selling, um, you know, we want the tenant to take over all maintenance after 30 days. Um, probably a lot of uh, the tenant buyers aren't familiar with that. So when is the appropriate time to bring something like that up? Obviously, you don't want to bring it up at the last minute when they're signing paperwork. Um, so when, when do you feel that is the best time to bring something like that up? Right up front, right from the get-go. You want to break sure that, hey, you're going to buy this house, you're going to be a buyer of this house, the fact of the matter is you're leasing this property at a certain time based on our agreement, you're going to cash me out. But from day one, after the first 30 days, you are going to be the homeowner where you're going to be responsible for all the maintenance of the house after 30 days, all the care. So, so if any toilet breaks, light breaks, pipe leaks, it will be your responsibility after the first 30 days of the execution of the contract that you will be responsible for. So therefore, at a certain time down in the future, you will cash out. You will be the homeowner. So, but at this point, from the beginning, you will be leasing, which is you're going to be renting to own this house, and to a certain time, you would deem the cash out. So let's say if it's two years, from day one, after the first 30 days, you will be responsible for those maintenance. So if anything goes wrong uh, of some major nature, that is your responsibility. Now, if you decide, Mr. Uh, tenant Buyer, that you want to add on, to a space or you want to repaint the exterior of the house. We only ask that you notify us and let us know about it so therefore that the work will be done by a licensed, uh, reputable contractor uh, that would do the job correctly because if they did something uh, incorrect and did it wrong, it could devalue the house. So we only want you to do things that's going to create value to the house. So, But we want to be notified of any major work such as construction being done to the house before you actually do it. Does that make sense? And you make those, you have that upfront conversation with them before they execute any contract uh, uh, that you enter in with them in. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what I was looking. For. Yeah, you you want to be very transparent upfront all the way through. There's no oh I got you because I didn't let you know about this. They need to know that you know after the first thirty days they're going to be completely responsible for that. And I think there might be a document that shows them that they have to be responsible for that. So that way they don't call you for any tenants, or, I mean, no, no, no uh, toilets or no nightmares or leaky faucets in the middle of the night on a weekend, you know, where you're off and you're not wanting to get those calls. And you definitely don't want them calling your, your seller. You want them to contact you, if anything, but really they're the ones responsible for it because people who get big, giant down payments down, they understand the power of ownership. And the power of ownership means everything is on them to do what they need to do to make it fixed and make it work right. Okay? Right. Okay, well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Let's see who we have next here. All right, I got somebody here on Skype. Who's that? You're up next. I think uh, you don't have a name here. Uh, I see you calling from, I believe, in Florida. Who's there? I don't see him there. Uh, you're off. Okay, let me see if I can do this real quick. Uh, okay, we got a few people on the call. So anybody else? So again, let me go back and repeat. So if you are a Gold Club member, 
you have to just star six your phone if you want to ask a question and participate in the call. You just push your phone star six, and that will allow you to be in the queue, and you will be up next on the call. So I have somebody here, but they're not saying anything uh, on the call. But that's okay. They may just be uh, listening in, and that's okay. Uh, I hear somebody there. Who's there? Hello. Uh, my name is Amol, and the system just prompted me to ask my question. Uh, I have two questions, actually. Give me your name again. Give me your name again. Amol. A-M-O-L. Okay, where are you calling from? Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Yeah, about 10 miles from uh, Ron's office. So. Okay. Okay, how long have you been a Gold Club member? Uh, for a couple of years now. Okay, sounds good. All right, what's your question? Here's a question. Uh, this is a house that's up for sale. The owners have been renting it for five years. They've tried to sell it. No cigar. It's in a very good neighborhood. I know it because I used to live in that neighborhood. Uh, it's a four by two, 2,100 square feet. They're asking 325 for it, and they've been renting it out for 1,900 a month. They would ideally like to sell the thing and get their money out of it. Um, however, they are, when I spoke to them about a month or so ago, just before the hurricane hit, as a matter of fact. They weren't very amenable to seller financing. So I've been thinking about uh, either doing a sandwich lease or offering them some kind of terms that would uh, help tip the scales. Okay. So I ran the comps on it. It's hard to get comps in that particular area because not too many houses get sold in that area. Uh, like I said, this one's a 4 by 2 and the closest one I've been able to find that's a comparable is a 4 by 3 that sold about uh, three months ago for 343 And this one, they're asking 325 uh, okay. The square footage on both the houses is about the same. Let me ask you this. Um, yes. The houses, they don't live in the houses. They're just renting it out, or they do they live in the house? They do not live in the house. No, they've been renting it out for the last five years. Okay, good. So, so how much equity do you think they have in the house? I'm not sure. They weren't willing to divulge that number. The reason why I ask that question is sometimes you can get sellers because they want some cash. They want to sell. They want to get some cash out. And sometimes, uh, sometimes they may be asking too much for the property at the time. So. Based on what, how much do you think they owe on the house, or did they tell you? They didn't tell you that. No, they didn't. They, they didn't want to discuss that one. These are important questions. Let me tell you something, folks. We got all these folks on the call. It is your business to know how much they owe on their house. You want to definitely know, because how are you going to know how to help these folks if they kind of hide behind the, the curtain? You want to ask those questions. You ask the question not to be nosy, but so that you can better come up with a business plan to help these folks. I, the first thing I thought about when you're telling me about them renting this out for the last five years, they don't live there, and they want to get some cash out, first thing I thought about what Ron talks about is a super seller refinance. So if they could super seller refinance, pull some cash out, you could take over the debt subject to, and get them some, they can get cash out of the house where you can come in that property with putting nothing down because they're going to get their cash 
out of the refinance, you're going to take over that payment, substitute that, take it over, take over that house, to substitute the debt staying in place, and then you're going to go out there and find you a tenant buyer, get you some long enough terms so that way you'll cash them out maybe six, seven, eight, ten years down the road, but you're going to sell that house at a higher price. doesn't matter if the price, is, the current market price is higher as you buy it for the current market price because if you're buying yourself five or seven years of time, then you can sell it at a higher price and get you a tenant to give you a non-refundable big giant deposit down. So therefore, they've gotten their cash out of the refinance. You didn't have to give up any money. You've taken over that debt subject too. You bought yourself 30 to 90 days of not making a payment on that current loan until such time you have a tenant buyer in place. Therefore, you will make that payment, but the payment is going to come from your tenant buyer. Now, I said a lot, I was a mouthful. That was a whole lot of information I just gave you. But that's one of the easiest, simplest ways to do it where you don't have to come up with any money, but yet they're getting all the money they need to get out of the house by doing that super seller refinance, getting that cash, moving on to their next life, and then not worried about making a payment because you're taking over that debt and you're making a payment on their behalf. But at the same time, you're going to get a non-refundable big giant deposit from a tenant buyer who's going to give you a payment that's going to be maybe a little bit higher than what the current payment on the mortgage is. That way you got what they call is that sandwich spread in there. You got that spread in between that monthly payment that you have to go to the bank as well as what they're paying you as a tenant buyer. And yet you're going to get that big old giant non-refundable deposit that's going to go in your hip national university bank and, uh, and then you're going to go off to the races because that tenant is going to be responsible for the ma maintenance of that house. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. That's a great strategy that people overlook because they don't think the person's willing to refinance. But imagine, if you, was going to, if you had a house yourself and you got equity in the house and you want to move on but you don't want to move on too far, but you want to pull out some cash out of this house, imagine you pulling all the cash out of your house you can pull, and then somebody else is making a payment for you. It's like going to get a bank loan and never having to make the payment out of your pocket. Somebody else is making a payment, and that somebody else is called a tenant buyer. And if the, tenant, and if the person you're selling the house to is able to get a higher enough spread between the payment and what the tenant buyer is willing to pay, then that's good for them too. So if you've created a win-win situation all the way around. By doing that one strategy, it, it takes the pain out of you trying to come up with something that may not work. I always like, and I have done in our practice, in our business here in California, is when we do a, uh, we're taking over doing terms, we always get the deed. We want to own that house. We want the deed. Now, I know there's people out there saying, well, you've got to pay closing costs. Yep, paying closing costs is a part of doing business sometimes. So you have enough money to do that, to set aside, but guess what? When I'm doing the lease option with my tenant buyer, he's giving me a non-refundable deposit, but with my seller, I always give them nothing. I give them nothing down. And the least I'll give them down would be maybe the first and last of the payment, of the monthly payment. So if I'm sitting there giving them two payments, which could be somewhere between 1000 to $2,000 overall, but if somebody's giving me a twenty-five dollars to $40,000 down payment, you think I could pay the $2,000 to my seller and pocket the rest and go off to the next deal? That's how it works. Absolutely. Go ahead. Well, uh, in this case, so you would suggest talking about refi uh, refinancing the, uh, the property so they can get their cash out. I can definitely right. go and talk to them about it. Right. You want to share uh, the benefits. 
the benefits, what it would feel like that they can have the cash that they need to do the things that they want to do in life. See, here's what you folks need to understand on this call. Selling is what you're doing, okay? You're buying real estate. You're selling real estate. You're in the sales business. No matter if it's a lease option, taking over debt subject to, or buying houses for cash, eventually when you sell to a tenant buyer or no matter what, you're selling. And the, the most important part about selling, folks, is asking questions that are leading people to decisions that's good for them. See, he or she who asks the most questions is in control of the conversation, okay? So y'all missed that. Write that down. If you're asking questions, you're in control of the conversation. Wouldn't you agree? And y'all saying, yeah, I would, because I'm in control of the conversation. So if you can get the seller to say yes, because you asked the question, that question was a question that, that's going to be good for them, why would they say no to that? If they're saying no, it's because you're asking the wrong question. See, when they're saying no, it's because you're telling them something. Don't tell. Ask. Because if you say it, they may doubt it. But if they say it, it must be true. So ask more questions. Get them to talk so they can say yes to your deal, and you're going off to get the deal transacted and closed and going off to the next deal uh, uh, in your community. So that's how I look at it. It's just, and I look at every seller in that, that matter. When I'm looking at it, whether it's a, a, a big money, million-dollar house in California and, you know, Los Angeles, or if it's in the high desert and I'm looking at a, you know, $60,000 flop house that's going to be, you know, sold the same manner. It doesn't matter. The sellers are all the sellers. They're all absentee owners, and they're all emotional about the house. We take the emotion out because all we're doing is asking logical questions to them so that because if they're calling me about a letter I sent, they're probably motivated. So look at it from that standpoint. Half the battle was won because they called you. The other half is if they like you and trust you. If they like you and trust you because you ask them the right questions, and all of a sudden you sound like you know what you're talking about. And I need to do business with you because no one's ever asked me the question that you asked. So, but here's the deal, folks. You've got to practice it. You've got to practice, drill, and rehearse the question and answering type of situation. So you have to get a partner that you're working around or another a colleague of yours, and you practice it. If you have a mentor, uh, you should you know, talk to your mentor about how do you role play. Role playing is the key. Ron does a lot of role playing on stage all the time. We do live seller calls at the Quick Start School. That reminds me, if you haven't gone to the Quick Start School, you probably should sign up for that. You just call Global Publishing online, uh, go there and find out how do you get to the Quick Start School. And if you, have, if you have been, it's been a while since you've been, you should go back there and sign up. I've been to five or six Quick Start Schools. Matter of fact, I'm due to go to another one again because even though I'm doing it, there's, 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 there's a, um, there's a, I call it, it's a perishable skill. Because if you're not practicing it and you're not using it, you can lose it. So if you don't use it, you lose it. Now, I have a business where I have people in my business that work on my behalf in my business because I pay them to do things because all I'm trying to do is make decisions. The less I do, the more I make. And I know you've heard that before. So we want to get you folks to doing less and making more, but you've got to do that by asking questions. Is it going to be perfect? No. Is it going, are you going to mess it up? Sure enough, you're going to mess it up from kingdom come. But that's okay. If you mess it up, the best part is nobody dies. And when nobody dies, you live another day to go do another deal. Does that answer your question? Yes, sir. I, have, I uh, hope you got clear. Question. Go ahead. You got another question? Uh, yes, sir. Again, it's a deal structuring question. Uh, there's a house up for sale. 
The gentleman is in his 70s, and God bless him, he's about to get remarried. The house has no mortgage on it. Uh, again, it's in a very desirable neighborhood. Uh, he, he is having a new house built. He's going to move about an hour away from Jacksonville. He's having a new house built. Uh, the house will be ready by the middle of next year. So he's put his current house on the market right now. And, uh, of course, as with everybody else, he wants to get uh, pretty much, uh, he just wants to sell the house and move on. Uh, when I spoke with him uh, a couple of weeks ago, he really didn't want to do anything like seller financing or anything of the sort. Now, given that uh, it would be preferable for him to stay in the place until his new home is built, and he wants to sell it at the same time, what kind of a deal do you reckon might tip the scales? Well, I do like, again, the seller, seller, seller refinance where you can get cash out. Now, but here's the deal. Because, um, see, here's, here's, here's the thing. When you're doing a seller refinance, or even if you're buying a house from a seller, it, it's really not good to have them stay in the house after the fact, but depending on how long it's going to be, you might be able to structure something that if you do that, then he is going to be responsible for paying those mortgages that are there, which is fine. But you have to have an agreement for him that when he moves out at a certain point, because you have to be able to show that property to your tenant buyers, because you do want to get your tenant buyers in there. But remember, when you're doing a super seller refinance, he pulls that cash out, he's sitting on money in his hand, but yet he's still living in the house, let's say for a period of five months or four months. So he said, he said he's going to be responsible for making those five months of payment and in addition to maybe 60 to 90 days of additional payments after he moved out, okay? That way you can get your tenant buyer in the house, but you want to try to qualify your tenant buyer to move in the house around the time he's going to move out. So let's say he's in there, you got the house, and he's staying there for four months, but meanwhile you're looking for your tenant buyer, looking for your tenant buyer, and you find one, and your tenant buyer is okay with moving in two, three months down the road once this guy moves out. But guess what? You non-refundable deposit from your tenant buyer so when he's ready to move in, all he has to do is move in, that other guy moves out, and everything is great. Okay? The good thing about okay. it is he, he's already refinanced the money out, and he's got his cash. He's, got, he's not going to get 100% of all of it, so you could do it where you could either do a, a refinance, get cash out, and if you have to do a note, a second trust deed note for a balance of maybe the difference of what you agree to buy it for, then you can do that as well, okay? So, therefore, you do a zero-interest payment loan uh, due upon sale, okay, once you cash him out. So, therefore, let's say there's an extra note of $50,000 left over after he's refinanced and pulled cash out, and then that note it sits on the, on the property until such time, time your tenant buyer cashes you out, and he gets paid off, so he'll get paid a year, two years, three years down on the back end of that. And that way you can structure it where he can maximize cash he receives, yet he's still going to get a balance due to him three years, four years down the road, depending on your terms that you're laying out. And so he'll get another windfall of cash down the line. The good news is you're going to sell the house at a higher price anyway, um, and the fact of the matter is you're walking in the deal giving him no money up front because he's getting that money that he's getting from the refund. So you're getting a non-refundable deposit from your tenant buyer up front in your hip national bank, 
in your pocket, not refundable. So when your tenant buyer cashes you out, you're selling the property to their tenant buyer at a higher price than you bought your property for. Therefore, you are now sitting pretty because you have cash up front, you have cash in the middle, and you have cash on the back end. And after, once the tenant buyer cashes you out, you get to, you know, you, you, you kill the golden goose and you're done. But if that tenant buyer decides, well, you know what, I think I'm going to Kentucky, uh, and I don't want to stay with this house, great. That law, that's a non-refundable deposit. He never gets back. And then you go try to do it all over again. And at the end of the day, you still bought yourself enough time with your, tenant, with your, with your seller that it doesn't really matter. I've had people after two years not cash me out and move on, and they left their deposit. And we went out and found another person to give us a bigger deposit and uh, paying us more money. Why that happens, I don't know, but we just take it as a blessing and keep on moving. That makes sense? Okay. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. One quick question. Um, <clears throat> like I said, there's no mortgage on this house, and if he stays there, uh, I presume you would charge him rent. If the house is sold to me and he he, he continues living there, he'd, he'd be paying rent, basically. Well, you know, here's what he's doing. Here's, here's what you're doing, okay? He owns it free and clear. And basically, he's going to own or finance you, okay? And how he's going to own or finance you, follow this now. If he pulls out cash, that means now he's no, it's not lo no longer going to be free and clear because he's going to have a mortgage now. Because let's say he says, okay, it's free and clear. I'm pulling out 300000 cash. So now you've got a $300,000 mortgage that you have to take over the debt subject to. But let's say he said, I'm selling the house to you for 350000 So now you've got 300000 that he's pulled cash out, and you've got to do a second trustee note for $50,000, zero interest, zero payments, due upon sale clause set up that way. So that way you're not paying any money on the $50,000. It's just, it's just the second trustee note that sits there on the house. But you're paying the mortgage to his bank on the 300000 But because he's going to be living in that house, right, for four right. months or five months, he's going to be responsible for paying not just the four months that he's in, but an additional 90 days of payments once he moves out in order for you to be able to make the deal work. Because you still have to go out and get your tenant buyer. Even if you found a tenant buyer day one, it may take them, you know, five months before they can move in. But you've got to lock your tenant buyer in place so you want to get a non-refundable deposit to show that this guy is going to get this house, but he's got to show, you know, good faith by giving you a deposit up front and maybe some money, you know, before he moves in in order to be considered the, the viable uh, uh, tenant buyer for that particular house. So when he moves out of the house, now he's making your first three payments as he's gone so that way you get your tenant in there because you got to let him know, i got to get somebody in here to move because he may not want – to be flexible and showing the problem. That's one thing you need to do is if he's going to be living in there for four or five months and you're going to be uh, owning this property, he's still got to allow you the courtesy of the being able to show the house to a potential tenant buyer. So you have to put that in agreement in writing. But he's not paying you rent. He's going to be paying that mortgage because whose mortgage really is it? His. It's his mortgage. So he wants to make right. sure that mortgage is paid. So that's how that works because the mortgage is going to remain in his name. The only objection that you would ever get from a seller typically on something like that is, how do I know you're going to pay my mortgage? Well, that's a great question, Mr. Seller. Uh, how do you know I'm going to pay your mortgage? Well, because I'm going to put all my assets and resources in this house. I'm going to be responsible for it, and you're going to be living in the first four months anyway. 
if if you're not planning on paying a mortgage, whose problem is that going to be? My problem or your problem? And wait for an answer. He's going to know that he's got to make that mortgage payment if he's going to live in that house before he decides to move on. But after he moves on, you just let him know. Because I have to get this house ready for my tenant buyer. I'm putting all my dollars and resources into making the house ready for move-in. So I have a responsibility to make sure. And if I don't make the mortgage payment, then guess what? You could just come take the house back from me. Is that okay with you? And that's what you sell. Because then you're a breach of contract. So that makes sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. One, one final question. In such a situation, would you have a clause in there to do a, a, final, uh, uh, let's see, a final check, so to speak, after he moves out, just to make sure that you're getting what you paid for. Absolutely, you always want to do that. You always, you know, want to be able to put the you can, in a, in your contracts. We have on the Gold Club site. You have addendums in there. You can put anything you want on there for making sure that you can uh, do an inspection of the property. And you can say, I want to be able to inspect this property once a month or every other month. You know, uh, with with a twenty-four hour, forty-hour notice. It's okay. You can put anything you want in it. You can make anything you want as long as you both both parties agree to it. That okay. makes sense? All right? Yes, sir. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Who's there next? Is that Sonia? Sonny. Sonny. Hey, Sonny, hey, how you doing? Where, where are you calling from? New Jersey. New Jersey. All right. What part of New Jersey? Uh, Middlesex. Man. Dude, you guys got a market right there, man. You should be killing it out there. <laughs> it's difficult. There's so, much, there's so many houses out there you can buy. Matter of fact, I've actually shifted some of my resources to go to New Jersey. <laughs> so y'all better uh, watch I, out. I got, two questions. I got two questions. By the way, I didn't get your name when I came on. My name is Alton Jones, and I'm one of Ron LeGrand's mentors that I've been with him for a few years now. And I, I, I heard had, about you. What about you? Yeah. You're well, one I, of his I'm best. A I'm out there. I'm a do-it-first leader. So I'm not, whatever I say, I'm doing. Okay? So I, I don't you. just tell people what to do. I'm doing it because I think it's best to do it first. Be a do-it-first leader. Follow the leader. Anyhow, so I, got, I, got a, I got two questions for you. The first one is, if I buy a house, uh, seller financed, and I, I bought a house, what kind of insurance policy, while I'm waiting to get a buyer, what kind of insurance policy should I take out? Okay, so you have a house that's vacant? Uh, what is it? Yeah, the house will be vacant. Okay, so you can get a you can get a rentist policy if you especially if you still try to get a tenant buyer in there. That's okay. You want to get a rentist policy anyway. Uh, you don't want to typically get a vacant policy unless you're doing some rehabbing work on the property uh, on, on the house. But but if you if you're intending to get a, a tenant buyer in that house within a few months or less then you can go, you can go to any insurance company, um, and there's some national ones out there that can do insurance all over the country. Uh, I have. I actually use national, uh, a national company that Ron LeGrand actually recommends. Uh, he's always at one of the uh, 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 summits and events that Ron puts on, and I decided before I was going with uh, one particular company in California, and I decided I wanted to put property, because I have properties in, in Memphis, Tennessee, and Dallas, Texas, uh, I wanted to be able to do uh, one company to cover all my properties nationwide. So you have companies that do insurance nationwide that would do renter's policy. So that's what you're probably going to end up wanting to get is a renter's policy uh, for those properties that you intend on renting out as a lease option or something like that. 
All right, so with a renter's policy, so when the tenant moves in, are they responsible for getting their own policy, or is my same policy to be working for them? They should get their own policy, absolutely. They should get their own policy, especially there's a renter's policy too. Now, now again, there's two, there's two, two, I'm talking about two different things. You own the property, so you're going to yeah. get a, 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 a renter's policy because you're, when I say a renter's policy as an owner, but a tenant gets a renter's policy because they're renting certain items that like their personal items and things like that are covered. Uh, right. For you, you're covered because you have to have somebody living in there to rent to you that covers the structure of things that maybe a fire or a flood or water damage, something like that. That covers you. But you don't have any personal items in the house other than that maybe it's appliances and stuff like that. Let's say you own appliances. You as a owner are covered with that, but the tenant, such as their beds or their clothing and their you know, stereo systems or whatever, those things are covered under that realness policy. So you just have to get the insurance companies that you may uh, identify, find out what is covered under their policies. I think the best thing to do when you're looking and shopping around is to ask a series of questions. But make sure before you ask these questions, write these things down. Write these different scenarios down because you don't want to, like what I've done, is pay for something for so many years, and because I didn't ask the right questions, Certain things weren't covered when things went down, and it could cost you a lot of money. I was spending thousands of dollars on insurance policies on my rehabs that I was doing when, um, then when something happened, like a break-in, uh, they didn't cover these things, these stolen items. And I was really upset about it, paying that kind of money for uh, a policy, and they didn't cover the things that were either stolen out of the burglary. So, Is there any, rem have, like, any reference guide anywhere that we could have these questions that we need to ask? And you know what? There probably isn't. I think you just have to talk with your insurance agent. I don't know if you have a current insurance agent. You know, yeah, because they get questions all the time. And you just want to ask them, here's what, you know, as an investor, what kind of things should I be thinking about regarding coverage for my, my rental property? You know, or if you're rehabbing, what kind of things should I be thinking about when I'm rehabbing my property because it's going to be, you know, under construction for six months? You know, what are the things that I need to look at for liability-wise to make sure I'm protected? Because it's not if, it's when somebody gets hurt or gets killed on one of your properties or when you get broken into or where water damage occurs or where, you know, the roof leaks and floods everything. So you got, it's not if, it's when these things happen. So you want to ask a series of questions. All right. I guess right? you just answered my second question there because if I'm doing a rehab. Um, uh, you, you have a reference on that uh, national um, insurance that you were talking about just now? Yeah, well, I know Ron, Ron has this company uh, that he's recommended many times and I can't think it off. I, you know, it's funny because uh, I'm run, I run my business, but my wife actually handles all of the operation stuff. So I just tell her, hey, use this company and use this company and check this out, check that out, do this and do that. So she does it. So I don't know what the name of the company is. I know we've been using them on all of our properties out of state, and they've been fantastic. Uh, matter of fact, hold on a second. I might even have it up on my, uh, my site here. Uh, give me a second here. I might even have it. Are you going to give me an email address? Maybe I could email you, and uh, maybe you could give me that information later on. Yeah, you could email me at alton at ronlegrand.com. Alton at ronlegrand.com. There you go. And then I'll be able to hopefully get that information over to you. I really appreciate it. Very soon. Yeah, today probably. Because, uh, A L T O N, right? Yep. A L T O N. All right. Yeah, man. Okay, that was helpful. I'll definitely email you and get that information. Yeah, it's, it's very easy to get that. No Alrighty. problem. Thanks so much. You're doing a fantastic job tonight.
Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Let me see here. Where am I at with this thing here? Um, on my queue here. Um, let me see. Give me a second, folks, here. Great. Did I lose my thing? Oh, man. Oh, there it is. All right, Alden. You have a good night. Thanks so much. Okay, I'll be holding on on this program. No problem. And I think I lost my thing. I, I had it up here real quick. I gotta, I gotta go to the next call now. All righty. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Have a good night. You too. Bye bye. Here. Well, folks, it is 4:48 on my time, 7:48 your time, and I actually had my thing on my computer here. And I don't know about you folks, but, oh, here it is. I was just in the wrong spot, wrong tab. Uh, let me make sure here. I get it. Oh, there it is. Ah, found it. Okay, now we got next. Who's next in the queue? Okay, who's in the queue now? Who's up? Hey, how who's you that? doing? This is Dayron Alvarez. David Alvarez, how you doing? Day Good, good. It's Dayron, by the way. Oh, Dayron. I'm sorry. My apologies. Yes. Where are yes, you calling from? I'm calling from Passaic, New Jersey. Okay. So you're you in New Jersey, too, so you should be cleaning up big time out there. I Well, I started three months ago, and I still haven't had no luck, man. I'm, I'm waiting for my first deal, actually. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not waiting. I'm aggressively pursuing, but I haven't, you know, all, all the leads have been no's, and then, you know, when I call and I ask, you know, still no, and I run down the scripts and everything, and it's still a no. So, you know, it's getting kind of hard because, you know, I'm paying out left and right for the VA, for leads and all that stuff, and, you know, it's yeah. just getting, you know, getting kind of crazy right now. Well, this business is about the no. I don't know if you yeah. knew that. It's about the no. The more no's you take, the better you get with your skill set. Like you said, you've been doing this a couple of months. I've been doing yes. this a few years, and I get more no's than anybody in my business. Why? Because I'm out there looking for the no, because when somebody says yes, I know in our business out here in Southern California, our deals make us 100 grand. So yes. it's all about great. how many no's can I get through and how fast can I get through those no's. See, so folks, so here's what happens is when you have a no, no doesn't mean no. No means it's not right now, or I don't have enough information, or I don't understand, or do it. Do you? So when somebody tells me no, that's fantastic, no problem. Do you mind if I follow up with you in another few weeks? And they okay. may say yeah, just to get you off the phone. But the reality is, people who told me no today will say yes six months from now. Now, does that guarantee? Okay. No. But the key thing is, you can control two things. The only two things you can control, and that is your activity and your attitude. So anything else don't matter. The activity is that means you're making, you're making enough phone calls, you're sending out enough yellow letters, you may be sending out some postcards, you may be doing a follow-up closing calls, but if you're not doing any of that, I can guarantee you if you don't send out letters, if you don't make phone calls, if you don't make offers, I guarantee you you won't get a deal. So the, the thing that. is, Let's just do all the hard work and get it out of the way up front. Go out there and mm -hmm. get dumb, dumb, muddy, uh, dirty and muddy in the, in the trenches 
with the word no. Make the word no again. Okay? It's like wax yes. on, wax off. You know? Uh, See, no is just a time for you to be able to develop your sense of humor. Okay? You got to be almost uh, like a comedian because, you know, you can't let it weigh on your psyche. Because, see, when somebody tells me no, thanks for the $100. That's what I think. Because I think every time somebody tells me no, I'm going to make $100. So I had to go through a 1,000 no's. That's, a, that's a, you know, $10,000, right? And so I'm yep. thinking I'm going to make $10,000 of my next deal. Now, I'm fooling myself to believe that. But I do know in my business here in Southern California, and Ron can tell you that, our average price on a house that we make a deal on, we make $100,000 to $120,000 on every deal. Wow. Now, I don't say that to black. I say that because I've been out there to be told no. Some people tell you hell no. But I'm looking for the people to tell me yes. So I got to go through a whole bunch of no's. So when people tell me yes, it's all good. We're going to be taking this thing all the way to, you know, the bank. And that's okay. I can't so wait for that yes. I have a question. All right. So when I'm when after I get the owner financing, whatever, and then I go look out for the buyer, and then I get a lease. I I I give them a lease purchase, right? I offer them a lease purchase. So then they give me, let's say they give me twenty five thousand dollars down, right? And now I keep that twenty five thousand, and let's say it's fifteen hundred a month, right? Now is that fifteen hundred a month um, reducing the balance? Only if you wanted to. Only if I wanted to, huh? I mean, what are you doing those? I don't. I don't. Oh, okay. And I don't. what about, does, does that 25000 down cut from the balance? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Understand. That's the only money that cuts towards the balance. Now, now, let me say this. If they're giving you $1,500, the question is, what are you giving your, 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 your seller? That sold you the property. What are you giving them? Well, of course, you know I want I want some uh, some cash flow. So let's say you know, but that was just an example though. Like um, thirteen hundred to the seller and fifteen hundred to me, and then so you, you know I was just a month. Yes, you got two hundred dollars a month spread, right? Yes, yes, right, and that's perfect. So now okay. here's here's the here's the here's a way if they want to get principal reduction on that balance. Could they do it? Yes. Could you do it? Yes. Here's how you do it. If they're paying you 1500 and they want yes. to put an extra $200 a month towards the principal reduction, guess what they're oh. going to be paying? Okay. 1700 All right. Yep. There it is. So if they okay. want principal reduction towards that twenty five, towards that balance down, and, they, and here, here's what, here's what you tell telling Mr. Tenant Buyer, the $1,500 is the payment. That's the rent payment. That's what's due. If you want anything above and beyond that, you can pay an extra 200 extra 100 extra 500 It's up to you. We're not going to obligate you to pay that, but if you choose to pay it, you can. So you want to tell them that because let's say they pay it this month but not next month, but they pay it the following month but not the following month after that. That's yes. okay. So if they don't pay you an extra $200 every month and let's say they pay you the 1500 you can't turn around and file for eviction because they didn't pay you the extra 200 Got it. Because okay? mm -hmm. that's not obligated. Yes. That's not part of the contract. <laughs> so, okay. But but you have to track. You have to track. It's all. And here's what I tell them: Give me the fifteen hundred, and if you want anything extra and above that, write me a separate check for that. 
Because you want to be able to show to their, uh, their bank when they start to cash you out and get financed, you want to show how they put extra payment towards the, the mortgage, the payment. So you can show, you can apply that extra $200 because what if it's $200 over a 12-month period and all of a sudden it's $2,400 payment reduction? You want to be able to yep. show to the bank that they have the ability to pay a mortgage because here's what their rents have been and here's above and beyond what they've paid. Does that look good to an underwriter when they're, when they're financing them and trying to mm -hmm. determine if they're able to make this mortgage payment? Mm -hmm. It does. So it that does. helps them. Yeah, it helps them understand that they can make the payment because they've done okay. it. they got history. And you can show canceled checks that they have proven canceled checks that they've made extra payments. And that's a good thing. You can show the extra, you can show the regular payment they've paid and the extra payment they've paid on top of that. And it's a beautiful thing when you do that because banks like that. So you kind of want to make sure everything is sitting really, really pretty. Now, all these, these letters get written up by the lawyer, correct? Oh, absolutely. You can have them written okay. up by the lawyer or you can have, uh, you, you can actually, you can go to the Gold Club website and finish figure out the uh, independent, the, uh, the lease purchase contract is right there on the Gold Club site. You're a Gold Club member, right? Yes, sir. Well, let me ask you this question, because you know I'm about to ask you, right? Have Go you ahead. been to the Star School? Of course I have. I went to the one in uh, Silver Springs. How, so how long ago? <laughs> Three months ago. Okay, that's good. I was almost there. You know some people that was there with me. I know some people that was out there. Okay, good. Okay. So you've been, you've been refreshed. And, yes, and, and, and because, so now you've got some armed, you're armed with information, but I can tell you this, what I just told you, you didn't hear from there. Okay. So, but it's good. But you're in a great area uh, that's uh, right now moving to second. Man, New Jersey's hot right now. It, it hasn't quite recovered from the foreclosure market yet. And I don't know why folks is not out there just beating the doors down trying to get deals. You can get deals hand over fist in New Jersey. Oh, that's some good news. I've been, well, and people I, don't know. People, I can't find a deal. I can't find a deal because you're looking in the wrong that dumb place. you got to look at things from 30,000 feet in the air and see what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And you have to ask the right questions. Don't be, don't be too busy telling because telling is not selling, but asking is. And if you ask for the order, a closed mouth will get fed. I mean, will not get fed. So, understand. You know. All right. Great. That Thank is you your very question. Much. You're very yes, welcome. Sir. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. All right. Who's else on the call? AB. Is it AB there? All right. Uh, so yes, sir. Oh, here you go. Is it AB or what's your first name? Uh, me. <laughs> Adiola. Okay. Adiola, Where are you yes. calling from? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from um from Canada. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. You're you're calling from Canada. Good. Yes. What's your question? Well, welcome to the call. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So my question is so pretty uh, so pretty much when brand new in the business, right? And and I've had maybe two or three sellers ask me for for uh, for a list of references, right, and phone numbers of previous clients that I've dealt with, right. So, like, what do I tell them? Because I've actually had about two or three sellers ask me for like a for a copy of like my business uh, registration.
Hello? Yeah, I'm sorry. I cut you off. You got cut off there for a second there. Okay. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, pretty much my question is like, so when it's not asking for a list of references and phone number of previous clients, right? So, what do I tell them? Because right now, like, I'm still brand new and, I, and like, I haven't really closed on any deal yet. Okay. So, do you have a mentor? Uh, no, right now. Okay. So, there's an old saying. Sometimes you have to go out there and fake the funk. And fake the funk is, is, is James Brown. You know who James Brown is, right? Yeah, that's right. Right. You got to keep the funk alive. Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it, okay? See, the reason why they ask you that question is, is because they don't trust you, okay? Mm. They don't trust you yet. Because I can tell you this. I've had never had anybody tell me about seeing my references, and I've done thousands of deals. And it's because they may not trust you enough because there's no relationship established because you have not asked the right questions. Because sometimes, again, we're in the sales business, and they can see a salesperson coming from a mile away. And because they think that we want their money, want their house, they don't trust us because they don't think that they, they believe in what you're saying. So what you have to do is, one, if you don't have success, you need to borrow somebody's success, meaning that's why I asked you about a mentor. See, you can talk about me and my team because you're a part of a team. You're a Gold Club member. you got people on Gold Club you should be networking with. You can go to the Gold Club forum and connect up with other people in Canada and say, hey, we've worked together. We collaborated on deals together, and our team has poised a position. You can talk about us, we, are versus me, myself, and I. Okay? Because if they need to know that much more, because if, if, you, if you didn't get to deal with them, that particular person, is that going to end your career and make you go get a job working somewhere else? No. No. That one person no. is not going to kill your deal. But it's because they don't trust you enough to be able to do business with you yet because you haven't established yourself uh, that common ground with them. So okay. you, have to get, okay. you have to get people... I, I don't. I don't go talking about numbers with sellers over the phone the day one. Day one of talking with them, it's about the kids. It's about the dogs. It's about their sports team. It's about kind of work. You're bringing that common ground, relationship building, and then I hit them with the stuff about, hey, what do you tell me? Because I ask them the first thing I ask is, tell me a little bit about your house. And okay. guess what? They gonna have runoff at the mouth, and they love talking about themselves. So let them love talking about themselves. All you're doing is taking copious notes about they have this, they do that. Uh, you found out that the house has a bad wiring, the house needs a new roof, the house needs new plumbing. All these issues you're finding out that you wouldn't ask because you asked a question. Tell me something about your house. Or tell me what things need to be fixed to your house if you were going to fix them. Oh, if I had the money, I'll put this, this, that, and the other, put new windows and new flooring, and Oh, wow, all these things come up. But because they want to know about your references, it's because they have, you haven't have not established that trust yet. So I would go back to them and, and just, hey, you know what, I'm just following up with you. Is everything okay? Is your house still for sale? Great. You know, again, tell me a little bit more about your house again. You know, and if you sold your house, what would you do next? And then sit there and wait for an answer. I'd ask that question. All of a sudden, you got death silence. So if you sold your house, where would you go to next? You hear that silence? Because you want them to get oh, to talking. Yeah. 
You want them to start telling you about their dream, about what they want to do. Because at the end of the day, it's about them. Because if you say it, you will, they will doubt it. But if they say it, it must be true. So tell me, where would you go next? Oh, I go to Tahiti. Oh, I go to Hawaii. Oh, I go visit my grandkids. Oh, I go get me an RV and go travel the country. Oh, that sounds exciting. Where would you go if you're in an RV? Would you go up to the north or would you go down to the south? Find out. Because now you're showing that you are caring enough about them that it doesn't matter about the house. The house is just going to happen the way it's going to happen. If they're motivated to sell and they call you about the house because they got your L letter, they already know and they want to sell the house. They just want to know, are you the right person I want to sell this house to? And can I do business with you or are you going to be a complete waste of time and a pain in my, my you know what? I see. Does that make sense? Uh, yes. Yes, that makes sense. Okay, and so uh, what about sellers who tell me about, okay, because I actually have signs out and it says we buy houses full price, right? And then when they give me a call and I ask them, okay, would you sell your house on a lease purchase, right? And then I go through mm-hmm. what lease purchase is, uh, went through, and then they go, okay, why don't you change your ad because you're pretty much de- deceiving people, right? So, and then, like, how would I answer that? Because I've had a couple, well, two sellers tell me that, like, okay, like, like your sign says we buy houses for price, but you're actually going to do rental in the house and not, you know, pay in your cash, Right. Right. Well, yes, I understand your question. So, 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 your ad is saying something that's kind of getting the person to see something different. Here's the good thing about mm-hmm. ads: ads okay. are tested. Ads can be tested. So, if this ad doesn't work, change your ad to see something else. Ask a different question because your ad is basically asking a question. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, or or trying to get them to to pick up the phone and call you. Obviously, these people called you for some reason because they saw your ad. But mm. the good thing is you can always change your ad to say something different. How can you test that? Number one, uh, in the Quick Start book, it talks about different ads that you can post up there. And remember, there are other ads out there. You can look at other ads that you like and maybe reword them to make them yours. That's okay, too. If you found an ad that you saw out there just because you were searching around and you like the wording of that ad, Maybe you think it'll work for you? Then great. I would call okay. it swipe, swipe and deploy. Swipe and deploy. I mean, you swiped it, you stole it, but then you put it to make it you, and you deploy it to make it sound good for you. It's okay. That's advertising. Everybody steal from everybody. Okay? It's not copyrighted for an ad, you know, to, to, to take that information. So uh, all I can say is if it, if it sounds good to you, it looks good to you, you could probably use it in your area because probably they're not using the same ad in your area uh, that you may like. So you just test it out. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, you change it. So don't have to be pigeonholed and stuck into one particular ad. And then, you know what, ask other, ask, ask other colleagues, other, other, other investors, ask them, what do you think about this ad? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, but then, yeah, but then, uh, like, in the book, at least Ronrad uh, says we buy houses full price, right, to get a bunch of yeah. sellers calling in, right? And and most of those sellers are cash cash sellers, right, because they think I'm going to buy their house full price, all cash, and then and then not with terms, right? So that's right. Well, where, you know, are, are, you plan on, are you planning on buying houses full price or cash? No, not all cash. But my sign... Like my sign says, we buy houses full price, right? 
new, old, ugly, or whatnot. And then my phone number is sent. And then when I ask them the question, would, would you sell on, on the least purchase? And, you know, then they get shocked a little bit. Like, oh, I thought you guys buy houses full price and not least purchase. <laughs> right? Okay. So, yeah. So what you do yeah, change it. Take, take out the part about full price. Take it out. Okay. We buy houses cash. Or we buy houses any 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 condition. Uh, just oh, put I something see. in the cash. You don't want to pigeonhole yourself into a price or a particular financing. Uh, you can put it in. We buy houses. We buy houses on terms. You can put that. Oh, I. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, you can change it. Hey, you change it. You test it. See what works. You can put. We buy houses cash. We buy houses on terms. We buy houses any condition. We buy houses. You know. You know whatever. So you just test it out and find out what works. Because there's always going to be people out there that says, ah, I got you. I got you. You said to use the wrong wording. That's false advertisement. You know what? Yeah, that's right. And see, and look, it's all about, hey, you know what? If you don't like the wording I use, it's all, it's all subjective. Some people are going to like it. Some people are going to like it. You, you're never going to complete. You're never going to please everybody. But at the that's end of the right. day, if that person doesn't want to sell you the house because you're advertising it wrong, then great. Don't sell me your house. I'll move on to the next person. Oh, that's right. So, you know, you can't you gotta look you gotta look at the half glass half the glass half full, not half empty. Oh, that's right. Right? That, that answer okay, your question? Yeah. Yes. Well folks yes. thank you. Well folks, that thank you so much for for um coming on the call. Let me see here. I have to do this thing real quick. Um all right, 'cause it's after five it's after eight, right? So it's eight oh nine. 509 here where I'm at. So um, let me see here. How do I do this thing here? Um, how do I do this? Uh, lecture. How do I do this thing here? All right. All right, so uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, 8.10. Uh, you folks have been great who's left on the call. You've been trooper. Thanks for being on the call. Remember, we do this call every second Monday of each month. Uh, a lot of times Ron will be here, but sometimes his schedule gets become so tight that he asks one of his mentors, like myself, and all of his mentors under uh, Global, Global Publishing all have our own rip flipping business, rather it's lease options, pretty house, or rehabbing and stuff like that. I do it all. I do rehabbing. I do pretty house. I do it all, private money, you name it. Um, he wants to get a qualified uh, mentor to come in here and kind of share what we do in our business all across the country. And if you are not a Gold Club member, you should go to the ronsgoldclub.com um, and, and sign up for that. It's $59 a month. And you get access to all the information on the Gold Club site where there's videos, there's audios, there's training, there's all kind of forms that you can get to work your business. It's a magical thing. You also get these conference calls and webinars that you can get uh, uh, locked into to get additional training. Um, if you have not gone and been to the Quick Start School and you think you need a refresher, also you can sign up there for the Quick Start School. They have a schedule there where the next course is coming up. And they just did one in Arizona recently, and they've got other ones coming up soon. they got a commercial boot camp coming up as well for people who want to do commercial. I love it. Uh, and, again, if you uh, are a Gold Club member, you can get computer access to this conference call. 
every month at from 7 o'clock, start sharp, and uh, sometimes it go a little bit over, but we had a lot of questions to be asked. I hope you got some value out of this information here that we parted with you, and I look forward to seeing you at the next big event that Ron LeGrand puts on. Uh, I always like to say we'll see you at the top because the bottom is too crowded. Thank you for being in.